It is Ash Wednesday. We begin Lent together and this journey into the desert as a church family in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us your Holy Spirit. May we be filled and satisfied by the word which you give us. Teach us to be loving, not only in great and exceptional moments, but above all, in the ordinary events of daily life. May we abstain from what we do not really need and help our brothers and sisters in distress. May we bear the wounds of your Son in our bodies, for through his body he gave us life. Lord, protect us in our struggle against evil. As we begin the discipline of Lent, make this day holy by our self-denial. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start my favorite liturgical season. The season of Lent, we are here to pray, fast, and give alms together. Uh, Those of you who may be tuning in to Catholic Radio for the first time during Lent, welcome. Let's journey together. There's a lot to be done and reflected upon over these next 40 days. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We've got Travis running a video stream on our YouTube page, our Facebook page as well. You can find that in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, Dr. Benjamin Lewis will look at the collect for Ash Wednesday. There are a lot of really powerful things to reflect upon that we'll hear in the Mass today, and Dr. Lewis will unpack some of those. We'll look at the purpose of Lent. Like, why are we doing this uh, in the first place? Father Rob Jack will discuss that. Gary Zimak is continuing an annual tradition here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're giving up worry for Lent as well, among other things. We're going to talk about what the Scriptures have to say to us in regard to anxiety and trust in God. And then Monsignor Peter Vicari will join us from the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. If you're looking for a place to give alms, uh, the CNEWA is a very, very worthy cause. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The U.S. bishops are asking the faithful to be generous today in the second collection or the special collection on Ash Wednesday. The collection will go to support the church in Central and Eastern Europe, still working to rebuild in 28 post-communist countries, including in Ukraine, which has been in even greater need since the Russian invasion. Meanwhile, Ukraine has reportedly destroyed another Russian military ship in the Black Sea. A Ukrainian defense official claims the operation was carried out today by Ukraine's military intelligence agency. The official said the Russian landing ship was attacked by Ukrainian drones and sank to the bottom of the sea. Ukraine has claimed several attacks on Russian warships in the Black Sea, including the sinking of a guided missile ship earlier this month. The Russian military has yet to comment. The Holy See's representative to the United Nations has addressed the Commission for Social Development, stressing the importance of ensuring access to education, decent work, and protecting the family to eradicate poverty. 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his address to the 62nd session of the UN Commission for Social Development, discussing the implementation of the 2030 Agenda, Archbishop Kacha highlighted the crucial role played by education as a primary vehicle of integral human development, reaffirming that poverty can be eradicated by addressing, first of all, its root causes. The Vatican Observer therefore reiterated the need for measures to ensure access to education for poor families so that every child, including the poorest, can fulfil his potential in accordance with his inherent dignity. He also remarked that adults should be provided with opportunities for continuing their education, including retraining for those who lose their jobs. Archbishop Kacha further mentioned access to decent work and fair remuneration for all and therefore stressed the importance of labour policies that promote conditions of justice in the workplace and the economy while reflecting that work is an expression of the human person, not the ends for which people are made. Finally, the Vatican Nuncio called for more attention to be paid to the family as a crucial actor in social development, therefore deserving of protection and support from society and the state. In this regard, he reiterated the Holy See's concerns that in international discussions the family is increasingly downplayed or even denigrated, recalling that for many around the world the family is not only the first but also the only form of social protection. Archbishop Katra insisted that social policies must support this fundamental group unity of society in its essential role in achieving social justice and social development. I am Lisa Zengarini. Inflation is slightly higher than expected in January. New government figures show the consumer price index rose three-tenths of a percent last month as Americans paid more for goods and services. Prices for housing and shelter led the way, with lower gas prices helping to offset some of the increase. Core prices, including volatile food and energy, rose 3.9 percent from a year ago. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has been impeached by Republicans in an historic House vote after failing last week. Mark Mayfield reports. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise was back in Washington after receiving cancer treatments, giving Republicans the necessary votes to overcome their razor-thin majority and get the impeachment over the finish line 214 to 213. The first cabinet official to be impeached since the 1870s, Mayorkas faced scrutiny from Republicans over his handling of the southern border. Several House Republicans say he committed high crimes and misdemeanors. Things now head to the Senate, where an acquittal is almost certain. I'm Mark Mayfield. Kansas City is set to honor its back-to-back Super Bowl champions today. The Chiefs' Super Bowl parade will start today at 11 a.m. local time, and rally outside Union Station will take place after the parade. The Chiefs won their second Super Bowl in a row and their third in five years when they defeated the 49ers 25-22 to in overtime in Super Bowl 58. And the Orlando Magic retired at number 32 of former center Shaquille O'Neal during a post-game ceremony yesterday. O'Neal becomes the first Magic player to have a number retired by the team. O'Neal started his career with the Magic after they selected him first overall in 1992 out of LSU. He becomes just the third player ever to have his number retired by three different franchises, joining Wilt Chamberlain and Pete Maravich. O'Neal also had his number retired by the Lakers and the Heat. Oh, wow. Kind of amazing that it's 
the so magic I, that went last. Yeah, that's weird because that's who he came up with, right? Yeah. I mean, wow. I guess I remember him most with the Lakers. I think of him as a magic guy. Well, I think of him as, as I mean, an LSU guy. Yeah. But uh, isn't that in, isn't that crazy? Maybe the Magic were just not familiar with his game. Maybe I don't they know. just it just take takes them a while to you know this is the first number they've ever retired apparently. Oh wow! First, I mean, there's former... not a lot of other options for the Orlando Magic. Well, that's <laughs> so the that's uh, you know Shaq Shaq's been endorsing like uh, cruise lines and mm-hmm. he does pizza places. He's a very business savvy guy. So Shaq, if you're listening, just so you know. In my opinion, you have the best reaction gifts on the internet. I use you all the time. If you ever want to come and uh, help us out at the Sunrise Morning yeah. Show, if you're looking for another project to help lift up, or Shaq, if you just want to send your some Lent and alms and our way, you know, yeah, he could just us send us some alms, and I'd He's be doing okay the, with that. Shaq, and, and since it is a day of fasting and abstinence, uh, leave off the Shacaroni and just go straight cheese. Neat. Straight cheese today. Straight Shaq. cheese today. Because it is Ash Wednesday, it's a day of fasting and abstinence, which if you don't know what the details are on that, what that means is a couple of snacks throughout the day, only one meal, uh, because we're entering into Lent. This is the kickoff. And, and no uh, meat. And no meat. None. No meat. So fish is okay, but no like, as Arnold would say, if it bleeds, we can't eat it. It's nine minutes past the hour. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We are doing our best to help you prepare for the season of Lent in every way that we can. Dr. Benjamin Lewis is now joining us. He's Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. You may know them as ICEL. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me back. All right. So we're going to talk about the Collect for Mass for Ash Wednesday. Uh, if you could share just the collect with us, and then let's unpack it a little bit because there's some really cool stuff in here. Yeah, I want to I want to actually share the the old version of the collect first, so you can see a Perfect. little bit of the the contrast of the new translation. So this is the the 1973 uh, ICEL translation for this collect for Ash Wednesday. Lord, protect us in our struggle against evil, as we begin the discipline of Lent. Make this season holy by our self-denial. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Well, that's pretty good, if you ask that's me. That's a good prayer. It's a good pretty prayer. Good prayer. Right? It's, it's a good prayer. Um, but this is, the, this is the current translation. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. All right, now that's a little different connotation. <laughs> right. Now, the one has you... a, a, an image of you know self-sacrifice and you know uh, help us being strong against evil. This one is loaded with military imagery. I, I find it fascinating because you know when we hear the word campaign, especially because of the political climate in our exactly. country, we often think of politics. <laughs> but campaign actually has, before it had a political context, it had like a military connotation. Yeah, exactly. So that 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 line at the beginning, as we take up, sorry, as 
may we begin with holy fasting, this campaign of Christian service. So we might think we might think political campaign. The Latin there is actually presidia, which is literally the the fortifications or the military, uh, you know, the military strength or military might. So campaign, military campaigns, and Christian service is not uh, Christian service in the sense of um, giving to other people. It's literally military service militiae is the latin so it's as we begin this military uh fortification or campaign of of christian battle that's i mean that's literally what the latin is saying so so the military imagery starts in the beginning and it continues through may we may be armed so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, so that's that's even another word for battle, pugnaturi. As we fight against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. So there's five different words or phrases in the Latin and in this English prayer that that draw out this military imagery that that Lent and our and our spiritual struggle is it's a battle it's a battle and it's not just a battle against uh, flesh and blood right it's this is there's all kinds of scriptural echoes here of uh there's paul's letter to the ephesians chapter six where he talks about putting on the armor of god right for we're not contending against flesh and blood saint paul says but against the principalities against the powers against the world rulers of this present darkness against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this this conjures up all kinds of images uh, from Scripture. You might also think of the, that great prayer to St. Michael, right, Prince of the Heavenly Hosts. Um, there's all kinds of um, resonances that this, this military imagery has. Yeah, and uh, there's an offensive and defensive component uh, in the prayer as well, right, to take up battle, right. but also to be armed with weapons of restraint, uh, mm-hmm. These are these are these are two powerful images. Did you say though that the camp the word campaign uh, was translated campaign? But uh, what did you say the 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 word is in the Latin? So the word is uh, presidia, which that's is the what plural I thought you presidium. said. Yeah, that's what I thought you said because it immediately triggered in me, uh, you know, the thought of one of the oldest hymns in uh, in the church, uh, the, in one of the earliest Marian hymns in the church, which is the subtuum presidium, which I always right. heard translated as like, beneath thy compassion, we take refuge, uh, O Mary. Uh, you know, this, this idea of like Mary being an engine of mercy, uh, I now will forever associate it with like, <laughs> Mary, beneath you uh, taking up the battle with us or on be- our behalf. I mean, what a yeah. connotation. Yeah, so literally presidium can mean defense or protection, so like battle defenses, or um, but it can also be you know garrison, or uh, yeah, d- battle defense, or fortification, something like that. So under underneath Mary as a as a as a fortification, we take our defense, uh, right? We we take refuge. Well, thank you, Doctor Doctor Benjamin Lewis. Fortification, indeed, as a matter of fact. We're being strengthened during this land. It's a fortification, as it were, as these 40 days lay out in front of us. We've got headlines coming up next with Anna Mitchell. It's a quarter past. Support is from MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare 
is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1999. The Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament of Our Lady of the Angels Monastery in Hansville, Alabama is consecrated. Mother Angelica says, the happiest day of my life was the day this church was dedicated. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The U.S. bishops are asking the faithful to be generous today in the special collection for the church in Central and Eastern Europe at Mass for Ash Wednesday today. Ukraine has reportedly destroyed another Russian military ship in the Black Sea, and Pope Francis later today will partake in the traditional papal ceremonies for Ash Wednesday. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Matt, and what in the world are you wearing? Well, I was just going to tell everybody, first of all, that it's not a holy day of obligation. Oh, okay. But uh, as a Norbertine monk friend of mine once said, but it ought to be. But it ought to be. Well, uh, people treat it as a holy day of treat obligation. It like it is. I tell you what, I, I feel like when I go to Mass on Ash Wednesday, the church is packed more yes. than it is on a Sunday. So I think a lot of people view it as I mean there's something to that. You yes. Know? Well, the 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 conventional wisdom would be that Christmas and Easter are the two most packed days of the year in the church and they 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 are pretty heavy. Yeah. But it's sort of shocking how many people show up at Ash Wednesday mm-hmm. and Palm Sunday and I always mm-hmm. like to say it's because those are the two Sundays that you get stuff. You get stuff. You get stuff. You get yeah. ashes on Ash Wednesday. You get palms on Palm Sunday. And that's fitting because the ashes that we receive today, they come from the palms from the previous year that's right. that have been burned. So that's there's right. a connection there. Today uh, is a you, good day to download the Switch to Catholic Radio for absolutely. Lent cards that we made for you because there will be people there that may not have been to Mass for a while. And get it they, to them. Uh, they are looking for things to do. Yeah, during uh, the season of Lent, that will be, you know, helping them a little get better into than giving the spirit up of it. Chocolate, you know, right? Exactly. And bear in mind, there are a lot of people in your parish who probably don't even know Catholic Radio exists and don't know that all they have to do is just literally put it on the dial and mm-hmm. uh, listen during the promos uh, and the the breaks, and you can find all kinds of cool things that your local Catholic radio station is doing during Lent. But Anna Mitchell, I cut you off when you asked what I'm wearing today. I know. 
So the video listeners. Matt video looks like viewers. he's, you know, like a 1990s kid 90s. with his his button-down shirt open with some t-shirt, with the t-shirt underneath. underneath if you're watching, right, you so, got this is a day you got to be watching the video feed. So can you tell what the t-shirt is? Oh, I'm sure it's St. Valentine's skull. It's the skull of St. Yeah. Valentine. It's the skull of St. Valentine. Yeah. Uh, but I actually have a combo Are you gonna going to wear on. that to mass today. Are you going to look well, like that at mass today? You got to look sure. like that at mass. But today. I got another. I'm going to prop the foot up on the. Oh, neat. You got more desk. socks. You can't see the, uh, I got my Ash Wednesday socks going too. Ash so Wednesday I comboed it. There's socks. some people who are like, how can we possibly do Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday in some sort of combinated form? And I just want to let you know that I've got the Skull of St. Valentine's shirt, the Ash Wednesday socks, and I'm dialed in. All right. I got a gray sweater. Okay. And uh, gray, gray socks. There you go. Yeah. They look like ashes. They're for ashes. Ashes. You're going with the ash thing. I didn't. Well, okay. Maybe I did think about it this morning a little I'm bit. I'm sure you did. I was like, oh, gray. But bear in mind. I Anna, wear gray Anna every day entire closet <laughs> is earth tones. It is what it is. It is. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Was Jesus Christ always God? When we think about the birth of Christ, we know that it happened at a particular time and that it has a particular date. And so for some, they may wonder, well, perhaps Christ only became God. He started as a man and then through his good works and through his miracles, he slowly ascended the ladder toward divinity. These are people who might suggest that we can attain divinity in just the same way. These people are heretics. They have the heresy of Arius, who believed that Jesus Christ was divine, but through his own work. But we would rather say Jesus is divine because of his very nature. It's not something that he achieved by his work. It was something that he had from all eternity. Was Jesus Christ always God? Well, was the Father always with the Son and always with the Spirit? And the answer is yes. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us as we enter into this holy season of Lent on this Ash Wednesday. Remember a day of fasting and abstinence. No me. Father Rob Jack joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is host of Driving Home the Faith here on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. Good morning, Father Rob. 
Happy Lent, Anna. Happy Lent, yes. The season is upon us. Why is this a season that the Church observes every year? Well, every year it gets, it gets to the point that the Church knows we need to do this internal and external checkup. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of analogies. We use sometimes the Scripture analogy of Jesus being in the desert, and you have to go out in the desert to hear what's going on and listen to the Lord, learn how to be quiet again. So that's an example of that. There's also the images, of course, of, of tending to your garden, of pulling out the weeds and mm-hmm. uh, preparing for, the, you know, getting the garden to get ready to grow again. And to do that, you have to supply the grace and get rid of the bugs and all the stuff through sin and selfishness that come in. But one of the things I was thinking of yesterday, and you'll, you'll appreciate this as well, Matt, as were your husband, and that is oftentimes we think about musicians. I'm a musician, not a good one, but I'm a musician. And one of the things is, especially if you play anything with strings like a guitar, you'll find when you're in the midst of playing at between gigs, you're going to have to keep retuning those strings, won't you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the strings, they stretch, they give out, they get old, they break. And so this is a time for us, if we believe that our whole point is to give praise to God in life, you got to be in tune. Mm. I love that. I didn't know you were a musician, Father Rob. What do you play? Oh, guitar, ukulele, that kind really? of fun stuff. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. A jack of many trades, a master of none. (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to get you uh, into a jam session with Will one of these days. But back to Lent, when we talk about tuning into God or retuning into God, why does the Church prescribe prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? I mean, why sacrifice and generosity? Well, it's like anything else. You know, those those strings are strings, but you have to have them in the right tension. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you know, as you're tuning, you've got to either tighten them up. There's some things in our life that have become a little bit loose, maybe our prayer or our almsgiving. There's some things that maybe are too tight, like, for instance, spending too much time on this thing or that. And we got to loosen those up so that, you see, you know, anything else... I. I've been playing so long, I had to use a tuning fork to tune the strings. Actually, though, what you do is you tune one string, and then you use the other string. Once you tune that one string, you tune string to string so that the whole instrument's in tune in itself. There's nothing worse than having, you know, four tuning forks, and you get it, and you play a chord, and you recognize, ah, this isn't working. And so our whole prayer life is one of getting our life back in tune, through uh, sometimes, you know, if mortal, if we've been in mortal sin, we got to change those strings out, yeah. and, you know, we'll break them. But oftentimes the big thing is, for most of us, is just constantly tuning, because all the choices we make every day, uh, for good or for bad, either, you know, it wears on us. And, we, and as human beings, we have to go back and constantly discern, am I in tune? Because if you notice your, for instance, your prayer isn't working real well, or you notice you're real anxious. Okay, that's a sign to me that your soul's out of tune. And so you got to start, you know, messing with the strings. What are those strings? Well, it could be my prayer life. It could be my behavior with others. It could be my language. Mm-hmm. It could be my use of social media. Whatever those six strings are, you have to try to make sure that they all stay in tune. And this is the time of Lent. Because first thing, you can't, you can't, it's very hard to tune in a, in a loud room, okay, unless you got the new electronic gizmos. If you just got a tuning fork, 
if there's a room full of people, it's real hard to get the daggone thing to tune. Mm-hmm. So it's just it takes this, it takes time, it takes silence, and it takes a, a discerning ear that when you 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 have a sense when your life's in residence residence where those all six are playing together and there's a harmony that comes about. Mm-hmm. That harmony is to me is a holiness. Well, you know what it's it takes such self-awareness, doesn't it, Father? I mean, which means that when we're thinking about the important things, trying to get in tune with God, we actually need to be paying attention and seeing, you know, I, I, I've I, brought this up before on the show. Uh, a while back, I realized that I can tell when I haven't been to confession in a while, when I start eating too much. Yeah. And and when I realize that, when I start getting stomach aches because I've eaten too much, I realize that's, I don't know why, but it's my indicator that I haven't been to confession in a while and I need to get over there. That's right. That's right. I mean, our soul tells us when we're, when we're out of tune. It really does. Because, you know, like I said, when you play a strum, you, you think you're in tune, you play a strum and you hear a clunker of a note. Yep. And then you figure out which one it was. And for you... Oh, Lord, it's been, I haven't been to confession. Well, how do I know this? I'm eating too many of those poskies. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, let's, let's, let's start loosening those up and yeah. see, or tighten them up and then get, get back in that right resonance with it. Exactly. And we don't have time to get into it, but measure it toward charity because God is love. And if we're going to be in tune with the Lord, we need to be doing That's all of this. In That's the love note right there. Exactly. Amen. We've been talking to Father Rob Jack, and you can find Driving Home the Faith linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. He's on Sacred Heart Radio here in Cincinnati from 4 to 6 every afternoon, Eastern Time. Father, thank you so much. A blessed Lent to you. You as well. Thank you very much. You can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news. Pope Francis later today will partake in the traditional papal ceremonies for Ash Wednesday. The Holy Father will begin at the Church of Sant'Anselmo and lead a penitential procession to the Stational Church of Santa Sabina. There he will celebrate Mass and preside over the imposition of the ashes. In the United States, the U.S. bishops are asking the faithful to be generous today in the special collection for Ash Wednesday, which goes to support the church in Central and Eastern Europe, still working to rebuild in 28 post-communist countries, which includes Ukraine in greater in even greater need since the Russian invasion. Bishop Jeffrey Monforton released a statement recounting a recent visit to Ukraine. He said, quote, The rubble and fresh graves remind us that the most insidious error of communism was not its economic policy, but its doctrine that human beings are mere cogs in the machine of state rather than precious children of God. That cruel assumption, he said, persists under the guises in a post-communist era, end quote. Meanwhile, Ukraine has reportedly destroyed another Russian military ship in the Black Sea. A Ukrainian defense official says the operation was carried out today by Ukraine's military intelligence agency. The Russian military has yet to comment. 
The Holy See has announced Pope Francis will travel to the northern Italian city of Venice on April 28th to visit the local church community there and the 2024 Venice Art Biennial. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The Vatican Dicastery for Culture and Education announced on Tuesday that Pope Francis will visit Venice on April 28th. During his one-day pastoral visit to the northern Italian city, the Pope will make a stop at the 60th International Art Exhibition of La Biennale di Venezia 2024. He is scheduled to take a moment to appreciate the Holy See's Pavilion at the Biennale's exhibit in the Judeca Women's Prison. Entitled With My Eyes, the pavilion is dedicated to the theme of human rights and people living on the margins of society. It seeks to draw the world's attention to those people who are largely ignored while fostering a culture of encounter and is curated by Chiara Parisi and Bruno Racine. The Holy See Pavilion invites the viewer to take Pope Francis's words literally as he invites everyone to look others directly in the eyes, looking beyond their social status to encounter their humanity. The 2024 Art Biennale of Venice bears the title Foreigners Everywhere and will be open from April 20th until November 24th. According to a press release from the Dicastery for Culture and Education and the Patriarchate of Venice, Pope Francis will also spend some time with members of the church community in Venice. He will return to Rome on the same day. I'm Devin Watkins. Inflation is slightly higher than expected in January. New government figures show the consumer price index rose three-tenths of a percent last month as Americans paid more for goods and services. Prices for housing and shelter led the way, with lower gas prices helping to offset some of that increase. Core prices, including excluding volatile food and energy, rose 3.9 percent from a year ago. Paramount Global is laying off about 800 employees. Sources tell CNBC the media company sent out an internal memo to employees yesterday, saying it's laying off about 3 percent of its workforce. Paramount Global CEO Bob Bakish said had already sent out a memo last month warning of impending layoffs. The move comes even after Paramount's CBS network set record highs for Super Bowl viewership with an estimated 123 million people watching across all platforms on game day. CBS charged a record high average of $6.5 million for each 30-second Super Bowl ad. Kansas City is set to honor its back-to-back Super Bowl champions. The Chiefs' Super Bowl parade will start today at 11 a.m. local time, and a rally outside Union Station will take place after the parade. The Chiefs won their second Super Bowl in a row and their third in five years when they defeated the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in Super Bowl 58. Two missionary priests kidnapped in Nigeria have been released. The Catholic News Agency reports the two abducted from their parish rectory on February 1st, were released a week later and are in the hospital for observation. No word on whether a ransom was paid. It's 35 past. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Do not get upset about the dryness and coldness you are suffering. Be consoled in the depths of your heart, remembering the words of our Lord. How blessed are the poor in spirit! Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for holiness! How happy you should be to serve God in the desert, without manna and without water, consoled only by the fact that He is guiding you and you are suffering for Him. If unjustly accused, Bear witness to the truth, quietly and calmly. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. Well, it is Wednesday, the 14th of February. It's Ash Wednesday. It's also Valentine's Day. There's a lot going on on the calendar. It's the Feast of St. Cyril and Methodius. Uh, They'd be... uh, if they were here and had a microphone, they'd be telling you to go get ashes today. Gary Zimak is with us now from followingthetruth.com. And every year around this time, we do our series on giving up worry for Lent. Gary, how are you? I am well, Matt, ready to get started. Hope you're doing well as well. I am doing great. Uh, I love Lent. It's my favorite liturgical season. Yeah. I know that you're uh, in several parishes over the course of Lent. Uh, who you'll be discussing this concept of giving up worry for Lent. Where are you planning to be over the next few weeks? Well, Matt, I'm, I'm headed to Ohio this weekend, and then I'm going to, after that, headed to Texas, Wyoming, and at two different locations in the state of Illinois. So five parish missions this Lent. It's going to be busy. I'm going to be on the road most of the time, and um, I'm excited about it because this message— of giving up worry for Lent. It's been very well received in the five years that I've been presenting these parish missions. Sounds to me like there are a lot of places in America that are interested in giving up worry. Because let's let's face it, uh, Gary, uh, it's a chaotic election cycle. It's a big yep. presidential election year. Uh, there's all kinds of frustrations that we have in our families. I don't know about you. Everybody I know has been sick since Christmas. Uh, like, I know some families where they've had, like, seven different bugs go through, <laughs> right? And <laughs> yeah, so as, as soon as one person gets healthy, another person goes down. Uh, there's inflation numbers are rising. There's all kinds of dumb stuff that happens in church yep. headlines. What does Jesus say to us uh, in the Scriptures that can help us get perspective on it all? And, you know, Matt, this is, this is one of my favorite verses, the one we're going to talk about today, the one that begins the book, Give Up Worry for Lent. And, and, and really, it's it's the theme of Lent. This is what we are trying to do. Jesus extends this offer to us during the Lenten season, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matt, sometimes during Lent, there's a tendency to de-emphasize the latter part of this message. You know, this, this is certainly a time 
to repent, to change internally. The Lord is asking us to change from the inside, which then should flow to the outside. So we start internally with our thoughts, which leads to good words, good actions. Um, there's an emphasis on this during Lent, uh, giving things up, giving things up that may keep us away from the Lord, getting rid of excessive attachment to earthly things. All that's important. But at the end of this message, this verse we read today, it's, it's the message from Jesus. It's something that's available to us during the Lenten season as well as the entire year. And it's also the main theme of give up worry for Lent. The Lord gives us rest. He wants to give us His peace. If we come to Him, if we follow Him, if we get on the right road, break away from the things that are they're keeping us away from Him, He's also going to give us peace. So this is a great deal for us. Absolutely. And I think there's like this Pelagian thing that happens with a lot of people who work in ministries or volunteer at their parish, or I'm sure this happens with priests and religious and deacons as well, uh, Pelagianism being the idea that you got to do all the work, right? Yep. Uh, that, yep. that you can work your way towards this rest. And I think during Lent, this pressure can really hit for people who are, you know, working in parish ministry, on the parish council, uh, you yep. know, trying to do these things. I mean, you you go around parishes talking, right? I got to mm-hmm. do, 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 because I got to really, really do Lent really hard. And that's <laughs> yeah. the opposite of what Christ is actually calling us to <laughs> in this. So we're supposed to be, I mean, we got to do what we got to do, but ultimately at the end of the day, we need to be simplifying stuff. Exactly. And and here's the thing, you're you're so right about what you just said. We tend to put pressure on ourselves, especially as we get into Lent, second, third, the fourth week of Lent, and we begin to look at our progress. We think, oh my gosh, I'm not making enough progress. This This Lent's all messed up. I'm not doing a good job. I've got to work harder. I believe, and I I said this to him last night, in letting the Holy Spirit guide my Lent, guide the results of my Lent. I'm responsible for doing the work. I'm responsible for coming to Jesus, as he says in this verse. But the Holy Spirit is the one responsible for the progress that I make. So I'm going to leave the progress, the results, up to him. But my job is to just do the work, but not look at the results or not look at my work and say, oh, I need to do more and more and more. No, we need to try. We need to try and turn to the Lord. That's what he's looking for, and let him produce the results. And ultimately, it's going to be up to him how much progress we make during during the Lenten season. I've had Lent, Matt, where I've gotten through it, and I thought, man, I just wish I was closer to Jesus. My goal was to get closer to Jesus. I just, I wanted to, I messed up. But then I would realize that that desire to grow closer to Jesus was one of the fruits of my Lenten exercises. You know, that's something that's going to motivate me throughout the year and for the rest of my life. So don't be too we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves about the results of our Lenten practices. We need to do work, but we need to really count on the Lord to do His thing. And He's going to do the bulk of the work. Well, and this is, what, uh, this is part of what Anna Mitchell and Father Rob Jack were talking about, uh, you know, uh, earlier, which is, you're not fasting just to fast, right? You're not giving exactly. alms just to give alms. There's like a, a direction that this, that this stuff is supposed to send you in. But, you know, I also, with the Coming Home Network, we work with a lot of baby Catholics. And, uh, you know, sometimes people will come to me and say, oh, man, I had vegetable soup on Friday. But after I ate it, I realized it had chicken broth in it. Do I need to go to confession? Like, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, yeah. you have to sort of reorient and get perspective on this. Like, why are we doing this? Are we, exactly. is, is, is the church playing gotcha with us? 
on me. Right. Uh, is the church playing gotcha with us on, you know, whether or not we really, like, you know, stayed away from chocolate as much as we were supposed to? Or is the church right. trying to say, strip away the things in your life that are standing, that you love more than Christ? Yep. Yep. So that you exactly. can offer them back to him and remember that you love him more than you love those things. And you know, Matt, here's the thing, and this this is very tricky for a person like me who tends to be black and white, you know, I'm, I'm all in. Once I make a decision, I'm either all in or all out. Sometimes our devotions, our prayers can be, uh, be, can be a source of, a sign of pride. You know, we can almost be too proud about this Lent. Yeah, I'm going to take on all these mortifications. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have the best Lent ever because I'm so great, and I'm going to give to the Lord all these things. Why? Because I'm fantastic, and I'm going to really please Him. I'm, I'm going to really good at fasting, man. Yeah, it's like yeah, a, exactly. it's a skill set for me. Yeah. Exactly. I haven't eaten, I'm not going to eat anything for 40 days of Lent, you know, <laughs> but... But really, what the Lord is looking for—that the first reading from from uh, today's mass is is perfect, a perfect reminder from what the prophet Joel said. The Lord's looking for our hearts. He's looking for our will. He's looking for that desire to grow closer to Him. He's not looking to see how many sacrifices and mortifications we can take on. And sometimes, you know, you're going to set—and this happens to me. Look, I'm going to be on the road for most of the next five weeks. I've got a series of Lenten devotions I like to do each year. I pull out my books, I get ready. I'm going to be distracted. I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to be running into difficulties. I can offer up the things that I didn't choose that happened to me that are not pleasant. I can give that to the Lord and just accept whatever He allows to happen. So, you know, this is a, this is something that we don't necessarily... I don't believe in setting in stone. This is what I will give up, and there are no exceptions. Well... There's going to be changes. There's going to be unpleasant things that happen to me over the next 40 days, and maybe the Lord's calling me to follow Him as opposed to following my, you know, my predefined uh, set of Lenten practices. Yeah, well, sometimes we can make our Lenten stuff about us, right? Yep. Make it all about us. <laughs> Let's that's make right. it about Christ this year because that's what we're pointing towards. Gary Zimak, we've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Looking forward to continuing this series over the next several weeks. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. God bless. All right, back after this, it's 14 Till. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, 
go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. Adam Bly and I invite you to join us as we tackle the spirit world on EWTN Radio. Adam has assisted at thousands of solemn exorcisms and resolutions of hauntings. He also reaches out to educate people on the paranormal and the occult in our culture. Join us Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern for the spirit world on EWTN Radio. Very happy to welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show here in studio with me, Monsignor Peter Vicari. He's a priest from the Diocese of Brooklyn and president of the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. Monsignor Peter, it's good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Anna, thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure and really a privilege to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. I got I to gotta clear something up. First, because okay. I've seen the acronym of your organization, CNEWA, which is also your website, CNEWA.org. And I've always wondered how to pronounce it. So can you clear that up for us first? Well, you pronounce it 100% correctly. Kanewa, C-N-E-W-A, Kanewa. Kanewa. So the Spelled with the C, sounds like K. Well, C, like as you would start with the word Catholic. So Excellent, yes. Kanewa, got it. Okay, so Kanewa, I was looking at your website and all of the places where Kanewa operates or works or, or supports the church, and it's basically every place that Pope Francis is praying for on a almost daily basis uh, in his his public addresses. You had Israel, Palestine, Jordan, Lebanon, Iraq, Ukraine, Armenia among them, um, and, and other places as well. So what kind of work do you do in these places? The work that we do, Anna, is basically work, number one, with the local church. Our mandate is to serve the Eastern Catholic churches. So when you think in terms of the Catholic world, we're about 1.2, 1.3 billion people. 18 million are Eastern Catholics. 23 churches representing 18 million Catholics. So wherever Kanewa is called on to work with those Eastern Catholic churches, we are really working with the churches that many of them can trace their roots back to the time of the apostles and the earliest moments of the history of the Catholic Church. So from that perspective, it's a great privilege to be able to work with them support them, give them assistance when we can, working always with the local church. By that I mean with the local eparch, or what we in the Latin church call bishops, um, with the local religious women and men, with lay leadership, and of course with the papal nuncios, because it's a matter for us to be working with that church. They will surface for us what the greatest needs are, humanitarian, pastoral, education, healthcare, whatever whatever there is. And then those requests come to us in the New York office. That's the main office. We assess those requests and try to, with them, follow what they have prioritized. Because once we get the requests, then it's a matter of what we can do with regard to donations, fundraising, and all kinds of things like that. In addition, one of the things that becomes very challenging, and as you pointed out at the beginning here in terms of those intentions that Pope Francis has articulated, many of those countries have recently, I'm just pausing and thinking of each of the countries you mentioned, many of those countries, all those countries, have recently undergone some kind of an emergency. Mm -hmm. challenge with that is you can't budget emergencies. 
So emergency relief is something that is also very important to us. Emergency relief because of natural disaster, yeah, like warlike Syria. conditions, mm-hmm. um, persecution. So these are situations that when they develop, those countries with the people that I named will come to us and say, here's what's happening, what kind of help can we get? And then it becomes a matter for us of either trying to see if we can raise the funds, see what the budget is already allowed, or in an emergency situation, it requires going back to our very generous donors and asking for more help. Well, uh, speaking of generous donors, the, uh, the, the special collection on Ash Wednesday is for Eastern churches. So do you receive any support from that collection? Uh, we don't receive support from the Ash Wednesday collection. Mm. Um, we do receive a percentage of the support that comes at the annual Mission Sunday collection. Oh, okay. That's organized by the Pontifical Mission Societies. Okay, so that just brings more urgency to being able to benefit from the almsgiving of people throughout the season of Lent. Am I right? You are so right, and I'm so grateful that you mentioned that. And as I go around to different locations in terms of just any, t- any kind of, when I can do domestic travel, um, especially around the Lenten season, I always ask, beg, consider me <laughs> one of the world's leading beggars, trying to really ask people to consider making Kanewa um, the object, if you will, of their almsgiving. Yeah, well, so many people in these areas, as you say, suffering. I mean, it, Obviously, in the headlines these days, you have the Holy Land. So Israel, Palestine, uh, Jordan is is among the the people that that use of the churches that you support. Very small Christian populations there as well who are are suffering. I'm sure from the the effects of of this war in the Holy Land between Israelis and and Palestinians. Yeah, if I may, just in terms of, you know, some of the offices where we are located, because we basically are going to work through our offices or in those places where we don't have an office on the ground, we work with partners. Oh, okay, sure. So where are your offices and where are your partners? Okay, no, thank you, Anna. So we have our office in New York, which is headquarters. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is something that was that was organized by the intention of Pope Pius XI in 1926 when he wanted to bring some assistance to Eastern Catholics, uh, having seen after World War I the fall of the Ottoman Empire, all of the demographic changes that were going on in the region that today we call the Middle East or Eastern Europe, uh, he turned to the United States. And in turning to the United States, he turned specifically to the Archbishop of New York, who he wanted to see, oversee the way in which this assistance would be given to Eastern Catholics. So since 1926, um, that has been the way in which we have been operating. The offices then outside of New York, which is the main office, which is the headquarters, are in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem office is responsible for Israel, Palestine, and Gaza. Mm -hmm. The office in Amman is responsible for Jordan and a portion of Iraq. The office in Beirut is responsible for Lebanon, the other portion of Iraq, the reason for that was because of during the time of the ISIS um, difficulties oh, yeah. in 2014, for different reasons, the two jurisdictions had to be kind of cut up so that we could best serve the Chaldean Christians, Catholics, basically, in Iraq. So the Beirut office is responsible for Lebanon, for Iraq, for Egypt, and for Syria. Mm. Then we have an office in Ernakulam in India, again, showing the way in which we are serving Eastern Catholics. In the case of Ernakulam in India, those who trace their roots back to the Apostle, St. Thomas. We have offices in Ethiopia and in Eritrea. 
Um, that's those are the offices that we have. And then we have an office in Ottawa, which came into existence maybe 23, 24 years ago, just to expand the base of donors in North America. And sure. so that's what the purpose of the Ottawa office is, and they do a fine job. Our partners are basically um, where there are Eastern Catholic churches. We either work with the local church, example, Ukraine, where we're working with the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, but also we work with Caritas. Caritas is in Ukraine. We work in Romania, Georgia, Armenia. No offices in those places all work with the local Caritas and the local church. Who are just as in need of, right. of support these so, days, right. certainly. Uh, we've been talking to Monsignor Peter Vacari from the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. And if listeners want to uh, throw some Lenten alms your way, Monsignor, how can they do so? Thank you very much, Anna. Um, I ask for prayer. I ask for people to be informed by coming to our website and seeing what we can contribute to having intelligent conversation in these areas. And I ask that, yes, as you say, maybe Kanewa could become the object of their Lenten almsgiving. If that's the case, they just have to go to www dot c-n-e-w-a dot org c-n-e-w-a dot org and you can find that linked at sunrise morning show dot com thank you so much monsignor peter Picari. look forward to having you back again soon all right we got another hour of the sunrise morning show coming up for most of our affiliates here on ewtn radio hope you can stay with us on this ash wednesday Some calendars it says Valentine's Day, but as far as Catholic Radio is concerned, Ash Wednesday gets top billing. And let's pray the ultimate psalm that is a theme of the Lenten season, Psalm 51, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You, who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Amen. It is a better way to start Lent. The Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I apologize for any of you who have that memorized in other translations. I memorized Psalm 51 in the NIV as a young evangelical Protestant, and so it's always in my brain. (laughs) So I have to have the old version in front of me. But it all is basically... Pretty close to the same thing. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has video feeds up and running on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel. You can find both of those streams at the uh, sunrisemorningshow.com page in the show notes. There's also uh, some downloadable stuff so you can pass out things at your parish to help them uh, get the 
information they need to switch to Catholic Radio for Lent, because a lot of people are looking for great resources this time of year to help them enter into the Lenten season the best they can. This hour, we'll talk to canon lawyer Father Philip Michael Tangora. Carla Broussard will join us from Catholic Answers. We'll get more old monk stories from Father Augustine Weta and Beth Kanabi uh, from Catholic Relief Services will tell us about the CRS Rice Bowl program, which happens in parishes and around the country every Lent. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. It's a service. Paul's not going to hit the button until I say it. It's a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. The U.S. bishops are asking the faithful to be generous today in the special collection for Ash Wednesday, which will go to support the church in Central and Eastern Europe, still working to rebuild in 28 post-communist countries. That includes Ukraine, which has been in even greater need since the Russian invasion. Meanwhile, Ukraine has reportedly destroyed another Russian military ship in the Black Sea. A Ukrainian defense official claims the operation was carried out today by Ukraine's military intelligence agency. The official said the Russian landing ship was attacked by Ukrainian drones and sank to the bottom of the sea. Ukraine has claimed several attacks on Russian warships in the Black Sea, including the sinking of a guided missile ship earlier this month. The Russian military has yet to comment. The Holy See's representative to the United Nations yesterday addressed the Commission for Social Development, stressing the importance of ensuring access to education, decent work, and protecting the family to eradicate poverty. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his address to the 62nd session of the UN Commission for Social Development, discussing the implementation of the 2030 Agenda, Archbishop Katcha highlighted the crucial role played by education as a primary vehicle of integral human development, reaffirming that poverty can be eradicated by addressing, first of all, its root causes. The Vatican Observer therefore reiterated the need for measures to ensure access to education for poor families so that every child, including the poorest, can fulfil his potential in accordance with his inherent dignity. He also remarked that adults should be provided with opportunities for continuing their education, including retraining for those who lose their jobs. Archbishop Katcha further mentioned access to decent work and fair remuneration for all and therefore stressed the importance of labour policies that promote conditions of justice in the workplace and the economy while reflecting that work is an expression of the human person, not the ends for which people are made. Finally, the Vatican Nuncio called for more attention to be paid to the family as a crucial actor in social development, therefore deserving of protection and support from society and the state. In this regard, he reiterated the Holy See's concerns that in international discussions the family is increasingly downplayed or even denigrated, recalling that for many around the world the family is not only the first but also the only form of social protection. Archbishop Katra insisted that social policies must support this fundamental group unity of society in its essential role in achieving social justice and social development. I am Lisa Zengarini. Inflation is slightly higher than expected in January. New government figures show the consumer price index rose three-tenths of a percent last month as Americans paid more for goods and services. Prices for housing 
led the way, with lower gas prices helping to offset some of the increase. Core prices, excluding volatile food and energy, rose 3.9% from a year ago. The Northeast will be cleaning up today after a nor'easter hit the region with heavy snow. At least one person in Pennsylvania was killed when his snowmobile hit a downed wire and travel was snarled along the I-95 corridor. Travel delays on highways and at airports could persist today as the region digs out. And William Bill Post, the man often credited as the inventor of the Pop-Tart, has died. Post passed away at the age of 96 last weekend. While as a Keebler plant manager in the 1960s, he was approached by Kellogg's executives and asked to create a breakfast food for a toaster. Early versions of the item were developed by Post and a team of co-workers with the final product becoming what we know today as the Pop-Tart. Post continued to work for the company, retiring as senior vice president before continuing as a consultant. Wow. So C.W. Post, that's who it was? So uh, Bill Post. Because there was Post Toasties. Right. Maybe place. it's named after him. I don't know. I get confused on my serial uh, overlaps of brands. First of all, may the souls of the faithful depart through the mercy of God rest, rest in, in peace. peace. Amen. Uh, second of all, you know, serial has like a lot of theological implications for a number of reasons because – Cornflakes originally invented by the Seventh Day Adventists. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got that question, but you've also got the question of people who are scaling back on breakfast today because it's Ash well, Wednesday. Well, of course, yeah, and no you, pop tarts uh, today, folks. That would right. be a really bad choice on a day of yeah. You would not want to. And if you're only going to have one thing, don't you don't make have it like a, a sugar thing that then makes you crash later on. Well, I'm sure and that our also canon law just correspondent makes you Father Tangora way, has like way really hungrier. Good Really good fasting advice. Well, that's but I can what we're going to be talking about with him. <laughs> um, all I can say is that if you're going to be eating one small snack, another small snack, and a meal, don't load your snacks with like massive amounts of sugar because you're going to feel terrible. Yeah. You're going to feel terrible. Drink lots of water today. Eat an apple or an eat orange. It. Eat something that will actually nourish you because a Pop-Tart or something sugary a cliff bar. It's just going to make you Wait, hungrier. actually, I should be careful. Cliff bar is not a sponsor of the Sunrise Morning Show. <laughs> or Pop-Tarts, for that matter. <laughs> no sausage biscuits. It's Ash Wednesday. Exactly. No meat today, <laughs> folks. And, yeah, as Matt was saying, today a day of fasting in addition to abstinence. Just one of two days where it's officially prescribed by the church, at least the Roman Catholic Church. Father Philip Michael Tangora joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, everybody. It's good to have you. So the three pillars of Lent as we enter into this season together here on the Morning Show. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. I'm not sure which people fear more, the fasting or the almsgiving, honestly, um, but we're going to be talking about fasting today. And my my first question is, what is the point of fasting? I mean, why is it important for us as Christian human beings to fast? Okay, so the point of fasting is not self-discipline or self-control, although they fasting will certainly assist with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, the real purpose of fasting is 
to develop and to achieve inner freedom. Many people who fast or engage in different kinds of acts of self-denial to discipline themselves, to develop greater self-control, which could also be done, say, through like athletics or just a mm -hmm. very good study habit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Good work, discipline. Uh, the thing that winds up happening is they still will have a, a certain, if you will, slavery to pride or concupiscence, the desires oh. of the flesh. Ouch. Yeah. And that means that they are not truly free. They might be able to control themselves in general public situations, social situations, uh, be able to have a filter on the language that they use. Oh, no. society yet if they're still actually a slave to concupiscence a slave to pride and the other uh seven deadly sins then can we really say that they have freedom no mm. we can't so the the purpose of fasting is to really develop a total freedom for a, an ascent to the will of god and allowing yourself in all of your spiritual and physical appetites to uh, allow them to be truly an expression of freedom, for, which is a choice for God, for what is good, holy, true, and just, and not merely good, holy, true, or just, but all four at the same time. Yeah. Um, Father, even just listening to you talk about fasting made me even hungrier. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, and I mean that seriously, like I physically yeah. feel it now that you're talking about it. And, <laughs> and so I guess that leads me to the question, like how, how do I get to that point where I'm allowing it to bring me this freedom where I'm I'm not just focusing on on being physically hungry but I am actually bringing in that freedom to to be with the Lord that is an action that needs to be cultivated brick by brick mm. Rome wasn't built in a day you know through time and that's why we need to fast, not just say on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but fasting needs to become a discipline that we include in our life throughout the year. Fasting isn't just something that we do at Lent. Yes, it is one of the pillars of Lent, but fasting can be a part of our spiritual exercises throughout the year. Uh, as I heard you say, we have to abstain from meat uh, you know, on Ash Wednesday, all Fridays of Lent. But, you know, the universal law of the church is that we abstain from meat on every Friday throughout the year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and if we look at our spirit, and, and, and even if we are not going to abstain from meat on other Fridays outside of Lent, we are meant to incorporate here in the United States another penitential discipline in place of the, the abstaining of meat. So penitence and that disciplining of ourself, that engaging in spiritual exercises in order to help conform our will to the will of God for us is something that we're meant to do every single day, throughout every single day, 
of our life. And if we are conscientious in making that effort of honoring God, of praising God with our life, in our thoughts, words, and deeds every single day, then that's going to be what's going to cultivate that greater ability for us to fast, for us to cultivate that inner freedom so that things that even the desires, the, the, the appetite, if you will, for uh, any of the seven deadly sins, for the five things that I always preach about that lead us astray from God, which are fame, fortune, pleasure, prestige, and, um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, um, oh my gosh. Fame, <laughs> pleasure, fortune, prestige, fortune, power, and, and, uh, pleasure. <laughs> there we are. I've, I, fame, fortune, early, Father. power, I get it. Ple, ple, uh, pleasure, and prestige, fame, fortune, power, pleasure, and prestige. Yeah. Those are the five things that will always lead us away. And if we're giving into those desires for fame, fortune, power, pleasure, and prestige, then what is that going to do? It's going to lead us away from God. Yeah. You know, uh, Jesus fasted and he fasted often. And especially in difficult moments where he found himself having needing that dark night, where he found himself needing to really overcome uh, a grave issue in his life, he turned to fasting. So fasting is what breaks the chains. It makes us more like Jesus, as you're just saying. We've been talking exactly. to Father Philip Michael Tangora. You can find his book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Would make some good Lenten reading, I think. You can find it I think linked, so. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It is a great book. Father, thank you so much. God bless everybody and have a blessed and holy Lent. You too, Father. Thank you very much. All right, it's 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside, so give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day. You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store. Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Turn to Mary, the Mother of God, for help bearing witness to the gift of life with the National Life Rosary. Designed exclusively for EWTN, the unique centerpiece and crucifix represent the reality that all life is sacred and begins at conception. 
Help build a culture of life with the National Life Rosary. Available now at EWTNRC.com. EWTN is the global Catholic network. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis will be taking part in the traditional papal ceremonies for Ash Wednesday later today. The U.S. bishops are asking the faithful to be generous in today's special collection for Central and Eastern Europe. And two Nigerian priests kidnapped earlier this month in Nigeria have been released. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to uh, God. Pray continually. If you're looking for pl- places to pray and fast and give, al- give alms for, uh, look to the church in Nigeria the, yeah. and the church in Nicaragua and the church in the Near East. Well, we're going to be talking to hour. Beth Kanabi of Catholic Relief Rice Services. Bowl, much more about that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Anna Mitchell, if people are wondering what I'm wearing on the screen, I, this is, I mentioned it last hour, it's my t-shirt with the skull of St. Valentine on it. Which does exist. It does Which, exist. Do you know what church that's in? His skull? I have to Google it. I have to Google it. I know where the shirt is. It's on where me. Where is uh, And I'm also wearing my Ash Valentine Wednesday socks. Skull. Prop up on the table. Mm-hmm. You can sort of see. I are showed they those purple? last hour. They look they kind of purple. blue on my screen. With little ashes on them. Um, but Anna Mitchell, the I don't know if you're willing Santa to. Basilica of Santa Maria in Cosmade in Rome. Okay, so it's in Rome. Yeah. Valentine of Rome is in Rome. And your Indeed. t-shirt is very faithful to the image that I'm seeing. It looks very, as looks I very much it. like the actual skull. Yeah. Uh, so with Lenten penances and the things that we give up, uh, last year I think I said that I was not going to tell anybody what I gave up until Lent was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you if you want to know what I gave up last year, last year I gave up complaining about my dog. I so. remember. <laughs> you told me. I told you. So but that I can hold you accountable. So this year, I've decided, and uh, I'm only saying this because I want people to be able to keep me accountable. Um, I have reasons for telling or not telling, but this year I've decided I'm, I'm only going to, if I have control of the music, I'm only going to listen to instrumental music during Lent. Oh, interesting. Which is a challenge for me because you know me. Yeah, I like to rock. love. I like to rock. Yeah. So, um, but I wow. did coordinate this also with my son. It's sort of a tandem Lenten sacrifice. Oh, neat. He's giving up listening to Weird Al Yankovic for the entirety of Lent. Oh, what a and sacrifice! I don't know if you know, but for a twelve-year-old like kid, gave that up is in, a sacrifice. That's when Roma, like when Roma gave up in Kanto a couple years ago. It's twenty-one past. Subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation from St. Augustine's Confessions. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. 
You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would have been not at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this Ash Wednesday. Encourage you to switch entirely to Catholic Radio for Lent because it's a good way to just stay in touch with the church all throughout every day on your morning commute, just for a few minutes even. Carlo Broussard back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers and host of the Sunday Catholic Word podcast. He's online at carlobroussard.com. You can invite him to speak through catholicanswersspeakers.com. Going through his book, The New Relativism. Good morning, Carlo. Hey, good morning, Anna. So we have been talking about this modern secular commandment, thou shalt not harm, and how that basically means do what you want as long as you don't hurt anybody. But you have spent the past couple of weeks punching some major holes in that argument or that that commandment, you know, and all you really need mm-hmm. are, are some pointed examples. You know, a man deliberately gets a woman really drunk or drugged just to get her to bed and he doesn't physically harm her. But is that OK? Right. No, she didn't consent to it. So then, you know, you adjust. Well, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, that's OK. Right. But then what is wrong with that point, Carlo? Yeah, so as long you so the adjustment is well, maybe we're not going to refine everything to harm, but maybe perhaps uh, as we can do what we want as long as nobody else is involved, nobody else is affected. But the problem with that is that that goes against our moral intuitions about private bad behavior. So take for example, my neighbor, if my neighbor has an intent to murder me, right? Mm -hmm. God forbid, hypothetical here. Uh, And he's plotting to murder me. But for some reason, he's unable to carry out his plan. And suppose I never find out, right? So not only in this example, am I not harmed by his intent to murder me, but I'm also not affected by it in any way. I'm like, there's nothing about me that's bearing upon the reality that's involved his, his intent doesn't affect me. So according to the principle of this modern moral imperative, there would be no wrong done. But of course, we intuitively recognize and people of goodwill recognize, no, that's still wrong, right? His, yeah. Even his aiming, aiming his intellect and will at this physical act, even though it wasn't actualized and carried out, is still wrong and has a bearing on his moral quality. 
And there are other types of examples that we could give, you know, I mean, somebody in the privacy of their own home having imaginative sexual fantasies about maybe another woman that's not his wife, that would still be wrong. And maybe you mm -hmm. could push it to the far extreme of somebody having sexual fantasies about children. That would be wrong, right? And everybody would recognize that. And the reason why I bring that principle up, because it that example up, is because it illustrates the absurdity of this idea that as long as my actions or my behavior doesn't affect anyone, mm -hmm. well, then there's no absolute moral truth when it comes to my human behavior. Yeah. But I think these examples illustrate that most people of goodwill would recognize that sort of moral principle is not a principle that we should abide by and live by. So even if the secular person wants to adjust the moral imperative and say, well, maybe it's maybe we're not going to restrict it only to physical harm. Maybe we're just going to say, do whatever you want as long as it doesn't affect anybody. That sort of principle still does not work. Right. And, uh, you know, less people think that it's kind of a silly example to talk about my neighbor having the intent to murder me. I was just hearing last night about a kid at a local high school that intended to go in there with a gun and start shooting but got thwarted because yeah. another kid heard about it and told his parents. So this is a very real possibility. No one got harmed, but is anybody thinking that that kid was okay in, in having that intent to go shoot up his school? No, absolutely right. not. So. Can you talk about this more in general, like how we can move the conversation forward? Does morality count when it comes to good or ill? Yes, morality does count. And here's the reason why, regardless of private behavior versus behavior that's involving and affecting other people, Anna, we, we all have a human nature, right? Uh, I am just as much a person with the human nature as other human beings. Mm -hmm. So what – and it's human nature that serves as the objective measure as to what is good or bad for us as human beings. And therefore, human nature being the objective moral standard in determining and measuring what is going to be appropriate good human behavior versus inappropriate or bad human behavior. And so because I have a human nature just like you – what, what human nature determines to be bad for bad behavior for you, it's going to be bad behavior for me. So this idea of a private morality, as long as I don't affect anybody, I'm okay. And then finally, you know, what I do in private, Anna, is in some way, shape or form going to spill over into how I interact with other human beings. And so this idea of a private moral relativism uh, simply does not work. And I provide other ways in which we can refute it in the book. Well, yeah. And I mean, if they're really honest about it, they believe these people believe this too, because otherwise, why would they care about any of the things that you have talked about in this book? So absolutely, because personal morality does matter. Absolutely. You can read more about Amen. it. This book is great. The New Relativism. Find it from Catholic Answers Press and linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Carlo Broussard, thank you so much. Anna Mitchell, you have a great happy Lent. Thank you. You too, Carlo. Thanks. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. 
Pope Francis later today will partake in the traditional papal ceremonies for Ash Wednesday. He will begin at the Church of Sant'Anselmo and then lead a penitential procession to the Stational Church of Santa Sabina. There he will celebrate Mass and preside over the imposition of the ashes. The U.S. bishops are asking Catholics to be generous today in the special collection for Ash Wednesday, which goes to support the church in Central and Eastern Europe, still working to rebuild in 28 post-communist countries. That includes the bishops say Ukraine, which has been in even greater need since the Russian invasion. In a statement from Bishop Jeffrey Monforton, he recounts a recent visit he paid to Ukraine and said, quote, the rubble and fresh graves remind us that the most insidious error of communism was not its economic policy, but its doctrine that human beings are mere cogs in the machine of state rather than precious children of God. He said that cruel assumption persists under other guises in the post-communist era, end quote. Meanwhile, Ukraine has reportedly destroyed another Russian military ship in the Black Sea. A Ukrainian defense official claims the operation was carried out today by Ukraine's military intelligence agency, sinking the ship to the bottom of the Black Sea. The Russian military has yet to comment. The Holy See has announced Pope Francis will be traveling to the northern Italian city of Venice in April to visit the local church community there and the 2024 Venice Art Biennial. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The Vatican Dicastery for Culture and Education announced on Tuesday that Pope Francis will visit Venice on April 28th. During his one-day pastoral visit to the northern Italian city, the Pope will make a stop at the 60th International Art Exhibition of La Biennale di Venezia 2024. He is scheduled to take a moment to appreciate the Holy See's Pavilion at the Biennale's exhibit in the Judeca Women's Prison. Entitled With My Eyes, the pavilion is dedicated to the theme of human rights and people living on the margins of society. It seeks to draw the world's attention to those people who are largely ignored while fostering a culture of encounter and is curated by Chiara Parisi and Bruno Racine. The Holy See Pavilion invites the viewer to take Pope Francis's words literally as he invites everyone to look others directly in the eyes, looking beyond their social status to encounter their humanity. The 2024 Art Biennale of Venice bears the title Foreigners Everywhere and will be open from April 20th until November 24th. According to a press release from the Dicastery for Culture and Education and the Patriarchate of Venice, Pope Francis will also spend some time with members of the church community in Venice. He will return to Rome on the same day. I'm Devin Watkins. The Northeast will be cleaning up today after a nor'easter hit the region with heavy snow. Travel delays on highways and airports could persist today as the region digs out. New York City, Long Island, and parts of New England saw up to two inches of snow an hour, and more than a foot fell across Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Paramount Global is laying off about 800 employees. Sources telling CNBC the media company sent out an internal memo to employees yesterday saying it's laying off about 3% of its workforce. Paramount CEO Bob Bakish had already sent out a memo last month warning of impending layoffs. The move comes after CBS's the Paramount's CBS network set record highs for Super Bowl viewership with an estimated 123 million people Watching across all platforms on game day, CBS charged a record high average 
of $6.5 million for each 30-second Super Bowl ad. Two missionary priests kidnapped in Nigeria have been released. The Catholic News Agency reports the two abducted, the two were abducted from their parish rectory on February 1st. A spokesman for the Christian Association of Nigeria revealed they were released a week later on February 8th and have been in the hospital for observation. There is no word yet on whether a ransom was paid for their release and police say there are no suspects in custody thus far. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 past the hour. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the church say about divorce? The Catholic Church is very clear, as was Jesus in his teachings. Those words of Jesus, what God has joined, let no man put asunder, are as important today as they were when he taught this important message while still on this earth. Today, however, too many people regard these words as out of touch with the times but they cannot change the truth. Some marriages, unfortunately, face problems so serious they cannot be resolved with any likelihood of permanence. Civil divorce often results. Despite what some people think, divorce does not cause a Catholic to be excommunicated from the church. That person is still Catholic and is still welcome to attend Mass and to receive the sacraments, including the Eucharist but they cannot receive the sacrament of marriage because they, in fact, are already married. The only way either party can marry again is to have the marriage declared invalid, or what we commonly refer to as an annulment. For more information, contact your local pastor or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 1649 and 1650 of Sacred Heart Radio. This is Deacon Bill Mullaney. The Sunrise Morning Show continues as we enter into Ash Wednesday. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news at the top and bottom of each hour. Paul Lockman's at the controls. Travis is doing video feeds. You can check those out all Lent long at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. It's always great to catch up with Father Augustine Weta. He is the author of a number of books, including Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. Father Weta, good morning. Good morning and happy Ash Wednesday. Yeah, it's good to be in Lent. I know that other people dread this season. It's my favorite liturgical season. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's how I feel about it. I dread it, and it's my favorite. St. Benedict says that a monk's life should be a constant lunch, so I should be I should be looking forward to it, but I kind of dread it at the same time. I kind of feel that way about confession too. 
Oh, absolutely. Then, As I always one... say about confession, I've always dreaded it, but never regretted it. Ooh, so I like that. That's, I'm going to add that to my list of quotes of urban... The quotes of the Urban Fathers. <laughs> the Urban <laughs> Fathers, as it were. All right, yeah. I'm just going to read this week's Desert Father story and let oh, you good. unpack it a little bit, because it is a really, I, I think this is a great tone setter for the season of Lent, this particular story from your book, Pray, Think, Act. So, a brother asked one of the elders, what am I to do? I'm a terrible monk. <laughs> I eat too much, sleep too much, drink too much, and I am plagued by evil thoughts. The elder said to him, you may do very little good, but you do it in Jesus' name. Now go back to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is actually, this is the part of the book where I started having trouble deciding, ironically, which quote to use, because there's so many good quotes on action from the Desert Fathers. The one that it, it came down to this one or another story, which I'll just tell you because, well, well for the heck of it, a brother said to an elder, I fear that I sometimes do good deeds so that I will be praised. The elder answered, think about it this way. You could be doing evil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> doing, I love these doing... old monk stories, man. You can, I can never get enough of these because they're so simple. They're like one sentence or two long, but they get to the heart of, of yeah. some dilemmas that, that so many of us have, which is, well, am I doing the right thing for the right reason, or am I doing the right thing for the wrong reason, or am I doing the wrong thing for maybe like, the right reason? Like, people get obsessed with this stuff. Well, and you can get bogged down in just making the decision itself. So really the crucial step is step three, is actually doing something. Uh, and I think, I think young people, especially young people today, have trouble just making up their mind and, and, and acting on it. Um, the, you know, I, I decided that in the end, the people, it's successful and holy people aren't the people who make the best decisions, but those who make the best of the decisions they've made, you know, whether they're good or not. Um, I actually ended up, I was, uh, saying a wet, presiding at rather at a wedding, uh, between, uh, an alumnus of our school and this young lady. And at one point I said, will you, Charlotte, take Aiden to be your lawfully married husband? And she said, no, because, of course, he, that was the best man. His name was Aiden. So, <laughs> uh, and, that, that, and then I said, you know what's going to happen? Someday you're going to wake up and wish you'd married Aiden. <laughs> and that's why you're taking the vow, okay, because... Otherwise, we wouldn't need to take make promises or sign contracts or, or or take vows. The point is, we have trouble committing once we once we decide to do something, and this is one of those situations where you've got to commit for life. <laughs> well, absolutely, and this is where the act part is so crucial because let's think about right. it. There are plenty of married people listening right now who half the time are like, "Man, I should have been a monk," you know, and there are plenty of monks <laughs> who are like. Thinking about the, to themselves half the time, I should have just uh, settled down and had a family. But the fact of the yeah. matter is, is that if we want to be a real Christian, we got to pick the the thing that God is calling us to, even if we're not like one thousand percent sure. Even if we're like seventy five percent sure, we got to commit to something, right? It's a vocation. Well, sure, and you know, I people I've heard a lot of people throwing this phrase around recently about. Talking about these uncertain times, mm. and, and I literally every why. moment of my day is uncertain, Father. So yeah, I can use the help. 
And it's not like my your parents' days were more certain, or our grandparents, or our great grandparents. I don't think any times. In fact, I think the problem is that our times are too certain. Uh, I, I think I've quoted before on your show a, a friend of mine named Patrick Nokoye, who, who um, I took to his first American grocery store, and he froze at the end of one aisle, and he said, "Brother, this whole aisle is just." food for your dogs. (laughs) He couldn't get over that we had an entire row of food just devoted to our our pets. And when you have that much wealth and that many options at your disposal, I think sometimes it's a, it's, you have trouble making up your mind just because there's so much available to us. There are, our problem is that our times are too certain, not that they're too uncertain. <laughs> yeah, well, if you think about it, we—I mean, you t- you deal with high schoolers who are trying to think about what college should I go to. There are a hundred gajillion right. NCAA schools alone, Division One, Two, Three, and down the line. And there's this person uh, who's looking at engineering programs and thinking, "Oh, but what's the one that will get me the best job?" And you know, we fixate on those big decisions, but. My gosh, you know what the most chaotic place in my world is, is when I'm in a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant, I can see the in the yeah. rearview mirror the person in front of me who's looking at you know, the Sonic menu and realizing there are 5,000 permutations and combinations in front of me, and i got to pick one. I mean, I think we're confronted with this stuff constantly. And then once you pick one, you wonder whether it was You're the like, right ah, I should have got the Texas Toast BLT. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I think in the end that the secret to good decision-making is just making the darn decision, you know? Because somebody, one way or another, someone's going to mess up what you decided, and it's probably going to be you. So you might as well just take everything you've learned from the process and just go with it. Yeah. Uh, I think I... I mean, you're surrounded by monks, right? You're surrounded by guys who've literally given up pretty much everything i mean and and who wouldn't regret that at certain points along the way but if you've made the decision you've made the decision and you kind of got to own it at a certain point that's absolutely right and yet we still lose men in the field you know we still uh, my i remember my novice master said to me like this is a war for the uh it's a war and it's a battle for souls and every soldier just has to make a decision sooner or later whether he's going to stay and fight or run. And when that time comes, you're go- it's all going to be on the line. And it's, well, it's for your brothers that you, that you, that you keep your vow, right? Yeah, and that's why God didn't just uh, put us in bubbles uh, to try and figure this out by ourselves. He put us all in a church, right? He put us in a church. And some of us are monks. Huh. Some of us are married people. Some of us are you know, priests and deacons and religious. Some of us are young and single and haven't figured out that part of our lives yet. But Christ has put us all in a church because we're not meant to do this alone. Father, this is always one of the highlights of my week, talking to you about your book, Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. Uh, We've got it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It would be a fantastic Lenten read because, you know, Lent is, I mean, it's the desert. So thank you so much, Father Augustine. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless you. All right. We're back right after this. It's a quarter till.
Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hey, this is Michael O'Neill, the Miracle Hunter. I'll be delving into the fascinating world of miracles and taking you on a hunt that explores the greatest mysteries and marvels of the Catholic Church. I'll be examining what constitutes a miracle, how miracles are investigated and approved, and the role they play in the lives of the faithful. We'll look at the miracles of the Gospels in early Christianity, considering the claims of the miraculous in our own modern age. The Miracle Hunter, Saturday at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. So new from EWTN Publishing is a book called, well, New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God by Jose Carlos Gonzalez Hurtado. Uh, Maybe you've got an atheist or agnostic in your life. Maybe you are an atheist or agnostic and you're trying to figure out uh, what is the world really like. Uh, Well, this book will explore empirical evidence for theism in a way that is hopefully easy for people to understand and how atheism, it just doesn't fit the picture. Uh, of what the world is. So you can check that out. Again, New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God by Jose Carlos Gonzalez Hurtado at EWTNRC.com. If you don't know what that is, that's the EWTN Religious Catalog. It is Wednesday, February 14th, Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day. It's a bunch of things. It's the Feast of St. Cyril and Methodius, who invented the Russian alphabet. I mean, you want to mark a day on the calendar, this is a calendar day to take note of. And on top of that, we're starting uh, some great things, including an almsgiving effort. Uh, Beth Kanabi is with Catholic Relief Services and CRS Rice Bowl, which, if you look in the back of your parish, I bet you can find some uh, foldable rice bowls to take home and put pennies in at your dinner table. Beth, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. How excited do you get every year when this particular program gets to to kick off because, you know, everybody wants to pray and fast and give alms. And sometimes that alms thing, you just like, yeah, there's so many different opportunities to, to give. But Rice Bowl is one of those kind of like standard things that is really locked into this Lenten season, isn't it? It, it really is. As a matter of fact, um, Rice Bowl has been around for 49 years. We were started in 1975. We are one year away from celebrating our 50th anniversary. Awesome. And 
And like you said, Matt, you know, Catholics around the country, over 13,000 parishes and schools participate in rice bowls. So if you've got kids in Catholic schools, I hope their principal is sending them home with the little cardboard box or you can pick one up at your parish. Uh, we have all sorts of materials that you can download on our website. But the whole goal of Rice Bowl is to give communities tools for prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, all in support of our brothers and sisters living in poverty all around the world. Well, I'm so glad, too, that you do something that not a lot of organizations have, have gone out of the way to do. You know, there are a lot of, you know, grown people listening, you know, who have day jobs, right now and they can write checks and they have debit cards and stuff but the church doesn't say oh you got to wait until you're 16 years old to start actually really engaging in lent the church wants people to engage at every level and a kid of you know six years a kindergartner they don't have a day job they don't have a debit card they don't have a checking account but they can find a nickel in the couch cushions <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right you know it's a, it's a program for kids of all ages and, and families of all ages and stages in life um, the, the, the rice, the little cardboard box, the bowl comes with a calendar. And I think the great thing is that it gives you prayers and activities every single day of Lent to grow in solidarity, uh, with people around the world. And, and Rice Bowl has gone high tech as well. So in addition to being able to put your, your nickels, dimes, your dollars and checks you can actually go online and set up an online giving page. It's become really popular with, with schools and parishes. It, you can set up your, your personal page about why um, ending global hunger is important to you. Uh, you'll see the little thermometer grow throughout the season of Lent as your community uh, is giving uh, towards this rice school campaign um, and so many different ways for, for both individuals and families to participate. Well, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, these are the three pillars of Lent. And uh, you've got the prayers, right? You've got the almsgiving opportunity. But mm -hmm. also, you know, every Friday during Lent, we as Catholics are intentional about eating meatless recipes, not just because, like, we're trying to boycott the meat industry or anything, but because we want to bond together, right? We want to remember mm -hmm. that we're doing something together as a community that involves our whole bodies, including the eating parts, <laughs> right? And I had an amazing opportunity several years ago to go on a, a trip with, with Catholic Relief Services to the places that are helped by Rice Bowl, and I got to participate in helping to make one of these recipes with some people in the countries where these things are are, are 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 taking effect. And I was, you know, I came home and I was like, cool, we made pumpkin leaves stuff with like, you know, bean soup. And it was amazing. And I made it in my home when I came back. We get to bond together and remember that this is not something that's happening abstract with people who are over there. The church is us, right? This mm -hmm. is us it, we're helping. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not only us, but it's, Right, it's communities um, in Uganda, El Salvador, Indonesia. Ghana, Tanzania—that's where I got and, to go. And, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and and as you mentioned, Matt, um, on the CRS Rice Bowl website, if people go to crsricebowl.org, there is a recipes tab, and you can download Lenten recipes for your Friday meatless meals. Um, and, and truly eat in solidarity uh, with people around the world. The recipes are really simple to make, um, you know, with, with ingredients that we probably all have in our cupboards already. Um, so not only do you get to eat a delicious meatless meal, 
but you can remember and, and even watch stories and videos of the people making these meals in their own homes in these countries. Well, and think about the places that we're praying for. Every time Anna Mitchell reads this in the news, I think of it as a prayer request list. You know, when we hear Gaza in the news all the time, you've got a shakshuka recipe, which is basically like fried eggs and diced tomatoes and green chilies, right? I mean, it doesn't take a genius to make this stuff. And you can pray in sort of a unique way, right, as you make these things. Right, exactly. exactly. It, it really does draw us closer in solidarity with our human family and, and to recognize, you know, the simplicity of these meals for me always reminds me that, that there are people in the world who are truly hungry. You know, I, I, I think, you know, those of us living in the United States, it's easy at the end of a busy workday to say, oh, I'm starving. You know, I can't wait to go home and make dinner. Um, but I think when, when we um, go to these meatless meal recipes and think about just the simplicity of them. And for many people in these countries, this may be their only meal of the day. This may be a real treat uh, to eat bean soup, or that is the same meal they, they eat every day. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's, a, it's a real grace uh, to be able to spend part of our Lent in solidarity with them. Well, one of the things that surprised me, well, there are a number of things that surprised me when I got to see what CRS is actually doing. I was surprised at how far these pennies and nickels and dimes get stretched. It's shocking how much people can do with a few dollars to, to feed an entire school for a day. I was also sort of shocked that uh, some of the reasons that kids even go to school in the first place is because that's where the food is, right? Uh, these are some of the, the things that we don't even think about as Americans. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There are so many kids um, for whom the meal they receive at a CRS-sponsored school may be the only meal that they receive in any given day. And, and thank you, Matt, for mentioning just how, how efficient and effective um, yeah. your almsgiving is. Uh, last year, CRS Rice Bowl uh, contributed nearly $10 million uh, to the work of CRS around the world in these hunger and poverty alleviation programs. And really simple things, like you said, it's, it's a meal for a child going to, to, a, to a school, it's nutrition classes for families, teaching farmers uh, to grow healthier crops. Um, there's a really great story from El Salvador this year about a woman named Sandra who's a chicken farmer. Uh, she was part of a training program with CRS that that taught her how to raise chickens. So not only does she have eggs to feed her family, but she then has eggs to sell in the market. It's amazing. So I, I mean, I saw people using handheld projectors to teach people NFP by projecting on the side of a hut. It's incredible <laughs> the stuff yes. that people are able to do. CRSRiceBowl.org. Go over there. Pick up a rice bowl while you're at your parish today. Fold it up. Put some pennies, nickels, dimes, and more in it. And check out the website. Beth Kanabi, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Blessed Lent. Yes, and get to Mass today. Get those ashes. Get dialed into prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We'll talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.